take a deep breath Take the higher road That's what they always say As if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself Cause life ain't just a dream You make your own So kick and scream The people will like With a never ending force You never had the chance So what you waiting for The day has come my friend Cause this is war I am absolutely beyond thrilled for today's show. I have the absolute pleasure of having one of my fellow nurses out loud join me today, Nurse Jody. And for those of you that don't know her story, we are going to dive in on that and hear a little bit about um, just kind of her past, her present, what her future looks like. Um, kind of our connection, I guess, a little bit too. I've had the pleasure of being on with her on her show and she has been so kind to uh, return that favor and join me today. So I am beyond thrilled um, to have Nurse Jody on. So Jody, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you for having me back. Yeah, this is so fun. It's always exciting. I'm really excited to kind of dive in um, and have you share you know, your story, what this has looked like, how you kind of ended up here, um, but what your path to um, ultimately being a whistleblower looked like, um, kind of, kind of run us through that, even go, go back to the beginning, you know, go back. I, it's funny when I talk about maybe COVID with people or something, I always reference like two weeks to slow the spread. Cause that is like, that's like right. a marker in time, you know? So, so maybe take us back to two weeks to slow the spread and, and share with me kind of where you were at in your life and and just kind of the progression of of everything for you. Okay, yeah, cuz many of the listeners don't know my story. So, um it's kind of cool to to get a chance to share it considering that I have my book coming out um this week, Rare Courage. Wow. Okay. So, I guess we have to go back 3 years. Um you know, March of 2020 was when the world shut down, right? The whole two weeks to slow the spread as you referenced. And for me, I, I distinctly remember being at the nurse's station in the ER and somebody coming up to me and the, another coworker saying, yeah, we're shutting down like travel. They're wanting everybody to like stay home. And I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like shutting down? Like, yeah, the, you know, the, with this virus, we don't know what it is. And then, of course, we all start talking and we're like, what do you mean? But we think we've already seen it. You know, everybody's we got so sick. I mean, I had been out for the count in February uh, when I returned from Seattle. I had yeah. gotten home on February 19th. And I remember being so short of breath that I um, was just laying in bed and I was highly considering going to the ER, you know, mm. um, you know, as nurses, you know, we're, we're like, oh, we got the flu. Yeah. Right. 
we're just going to treat it, you know? And, um, and so that was kind of my whole mindset with it, but I do remember distinctly like being elevated up in bed and my oldest coming over saying, um, mom, you got to get up. You got to move. You've been laying here for two days. And I'm like, really? Cause I, I literally was, I was sleeping the entire time. And, um, he was like, I'm going to, you know, run you a bath. And I'm like, okay. And I just remember thinking if I can get in this bath, um, I I don't have to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, we all had our sickness story and we were seeing so many cases of people coming in, being sick, um, and testing negative for the flu. So for the majority of us, like we weren't concerned, you know, um, we're nurses ER, right? Like, this is what we do. This is our life. And, um, but for me, it was, it was biblical. Um, I, I was raised in a spirit filled Pentecostal church in the inner city of Chicago. And my preacher spoke on end time prophecy all the time. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, hadn't really thought much about it you know, in 20 years, but, um, for some reason it just hit me. And I was like the whole world. Cause I, I knew that like what we would see would be a global event and, you know, COVID wound up being a global event. And so, um, immediately I was like, well, I'm not going to be fearful. I'm, you know, going to trust my faith through all of this. And so I did, I, just researched. I'm like, what's public health policy? You know, is it, have we ever done this before? Um, no, we haven't. And, and so, yeah, it, it was, you know, then they shut down the surgeries and I'm like, what we're shutting down all diagnostic, anything you're telling people don't, don't go to the, don't go to the hospital, stay home. Meanwhile, our entire hospital was dead. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you know, being an operating room nurse, like we weren't doing anything. Right. And so, um, you know, I just used my faith to make sure that I was not going to be fearful. And what I saw happening with the propaganda messaging, it was like extremely apparent to me that what we were seeing was propaganda because there was no positive, right? There was no um, guidance on things we could do to stay healthy. I mean, it was just uh, 24-7 fear, anxiety, stress streaming across all of our electronics. And, um, you know, let me ask you something really quick. Sorry to interrupt, but in your ability, because this is what I always find fascinating in talking with people who very early on were able to see right? Have the eyes to see what was kind of happening. What was the, what were the conversations like with your coworkers? Did you find that other people were uh, maybe seeing the same things or did you find that most of your coworkers uh, were kind of maybe buying into it or, um, you know, really, really concerned or the, the fear was getting to them? Um, no, that didn't happen until the summer. Um, most of us, like I said, we, we were all like, oh, we just got sick. You know, we, we, we've already had this. <laughs> and it was interesting too, because one of the, um, um, girls that I worked with in the ICU, uh, she like whispered to me one night and she said, 
I just came back from Wuhan a couple of weeks ago. And I said, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm a flight nurse on the side. And we had a really sick patient and we had to stay there for a couple of days, um, about 45 minutes outside of Wuhan. And, uh, and we had to get uh, their platelets up before we could fly with them. And I was like, really? And she goes, yeah. And when we came back, the pilot got sick. We had to stop in Alaska. Um, he had to get off. And then we got home. Um, my co-pilot got sick. Uh, my, my son and my husband got sick. And she goes, and I never got it. And, and for me, Beth, I was like, you know what? We, our society, you know, travels, you know, there, people are always on planes and stuff. So if there was something, you know, in China, it wouldn't be very long before it came to us, especially if it was as transmissible as they were saying it was right. Right. Yeah. And so many of us, yeah, for months, you know, we, we chilled, we ate free food, we got fat, uh, watch videos. And for me, I, it was just some, it was really hard because I was talking out, you know, on my Facebook community, like, Hey, what are you guys seeing? You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I detail it all in my book, you know, um, I know we, we have a short show, so let me just get yeah. to the point. I saw, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's, it's crazy because, you know, when you tell the story, it's like, what, which way do you want me to go with it? Because it branches off in so many different mm -hmm. directions, right? It's so insidious. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, the lack of informed consent, the violation of um, the ethical principles that we upheld, um, I, I noticed it, you know, in, in the very beginning, the isolation, the removal of the advocate from bedside, no treatment, no early treatment, everything was stay home, um, you know, throw a mask on, you're going to kill grandma if you don't, or you don't care about people. Um, you know, just the whole science behind it. I, I followed evidence-based practice and, and my ethical principles and my faith. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting point that you brought up at the very beginning seconds of our conversation here is that nothing like this had ever been done. And I remember when I was still working in the hospital, that seemed to be the that was just the the thing that I could not shake, right? Like we've all seen illnesses before. We have all seen respiratory viruses before. We have all taken care of patients with incredibly contagious pathogens like C. diff. Um, you know, we've, mm -hmm. we, we have all done this and we have never come to a place where we just go 180 and abandon everything that we had been taught to do, not only just taught to do, but what we also relied on just as human beings, right? I mean, like this notion that somehow we were all okay with leaving people alone in their rooms or not having visitors. And I don't know if this ever came up with your administration, but I was, you know, I was a thorn in their side. I was sending emails you know, continuously, I was encouraging patients, families to call and to send emails and to communicate. But what did that look like where you were working? What was the feeling from the administration as far as, you know, do you feel like you could ever get through to those people about what in the world are we doing? No. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Um, I work, worked at a federal hospital. 
And so most of the administration and the managers on the floor, they were all um, United States Commission Corps. And so they're like our public health, you know, safety people, you know, the, they went to actually a few of them from my hospital were deployed to the mercy ship in uh, New York mm-hmm. to take care mm-hmm. of COVID patients. Mm-hmm. And they came back and was like, we didn't see any COVID patients, but it's crazy there. There's, you know, and I'm like, did you see any patients? No. You know, so it, it, you know, we, we receive our orders directly from HHS too. So I, and you know, our admiral of IHS, the rear admiral, um, we were always getting all of these updates, um, and, you know, changes in protocol for us to follow. And I, I was, I was a thorn in their side too. Um, but they put me as hospital supervisor through COVID. (laughs) And so, you know, I, I handled myself, but, um, yeah, no, they're, they're government, they're, they're trained to take orders. Uh, their career depends on them taking orders. They're mil, they're essentially like military, you know, they, they, they don't question things. And even if they do, they do it silently. And, um, and they, you know, they just don't want to ruffle any feathers. And, and also too, at my hospital, you know, because it is military style ran, uh, you would have people in positions very short, uh, short term, they would be like, oh, they're getting, um, uh, not stations, but Oh, they have to, you know, they're going to be your new boss. I, I forget what it's called. Um, but yeah, like an assignment or something. Yeah, like an assignment. Yeah. So they were always changing. Nothing ever was ran very well um, there. But, you know, um, yeah. So to answer your question, uh, they, they followed orders. And then you also had the Native Americans that suffered the greatest out of any population in our country they lost seven years off of their lifespan through COVID. Um, so they were losing family members. We were losing people. Um, our, our coworkers were dying. And um, so they were very fearful. And even right. when we talked about treatment, early treatment, you know, they, they'd listened to what Fauci said. Right. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Um what now either looking back or in that time was so significant about the native american population and 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 the the toll that covid took on that particular population yeah so the native americans they um live in multi-generational household uh on the reservation you know in arizona where we are um the reservations are between like 2 and 6 hours away and many of them work their shifts and then they go home and, um, and that means going back to the res. And so they were told to stay in, right? They were told not to go outside. They were told to wear a mask. They weren't told anything that they could do for to boost their immune system. And so if they had a sickness in the, in their home, um, you know, it went through like wildfire because, you know, they're small, lots, lots of them don't have running water or electricity. And so, um, you know, it, it took their toll on them. Plus, yeah, also to the increased stress response that we created um, and the lack of, you know, not not talking about anything positive that they could do. They were separated from their loved ones. 
um, you know, burials, like all of their, their ceremonies and stuff that they perform and they do like was completely shut down. Yeah. Yeah. That's seven years. When you say that, it gives me goosebumps. I mean, just to think, um, it's, it's so impactful and it makes me so angry to my core that we just lost sight of all humanity through this. And it's, I mean, it's still, we're still, we're three years in and it still amazes me that there aren't people, more people coming forward and saying, gosh, that really wasn't the right thing to do that, that we were, we were completely in the wrong by doing this. And I don't know that we'll ever really see hospital officials or people that made those decisions independent of kind of the government. I know we'll never see those people, but I'm, I'm specifically talking about my supervisor, my clinical director. Like I would love for them to stand up and say, gosh, this was wildly detrimental to our patient population. And we should have never participated in this from a human standpoint, let alone an oath and an ethics, you know, standpoint, and then also a legal standpoint. I don't know that we're ever going to say that. But so in kind of talking about that, there are very few people. Well, there, there seems to be more now, which is lovely. I'm so happy every time I meet somebody new or I talk to someone in or outside of healthcare um, who has stepped up to the plate and has been vocal and has either shared their independent story or a story of a loved one or, you know, just, just feeling like it's time to speak up. I love that. But It seems as though we are certainly lacking in some courage these days. And, you know, I think the word courage is so powerful. Um, I often maybe immediately reference kind of military or, you know, both of my, my grandfathers were in wars. And so I think, gosh, that, that, that takes courage. And we have almost this new definition in not only the past couple of years, but certainly in 2023 of, of courage. It is, it is now, you have to step out and you have to go against the grain. You have to go against groupthink. You have to not care what people's opinions are of you. You have to be willing to put a lot on the line. And this, I, I think it's new. I think this new kind of courage that we're seeing is new. And obviously your book is titled Rare Courage, which I think is just phenomenal. And it hits the nail on the head. But where did you come to in your journey and in your employment where you you just couldn't do it anymore you found the courage inside of yourself to say nope it's time i'm blowing the whistle yeah um right like so in in june of 2020 i i was kind of done i mean i had received so much hate and everything on facebook talking about science and evidence-based practice that I, I, you know, really looked up to the Lord and I was like, you know what, I'm getting off Facebook. Uh, I'm only going to impact the people you put directly in front of me. Um, and so, you know, I couldn't do that because then people, you know, I would get, um, a message or something and, and they would say, Oh, thank you for sharing. Thank you for, you know, keeping me calm throughout all this you know, I was going to commit suicide and I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to stay on Facebook. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, but then when I watched all these vaccine injuries, 
um, well, safety signals from the vaccines come in. Um, and I had seen so many, I was like, these vaccines are not, first of all, they're not working because the people were getting sick and coming in and, you know, uh, VARES actually wound up updating, um, their, uh, adverse events of special interest, including COVID-19 disease after vaccination. Um, but still yet, you know, people weren't seeing it. And so it got to a point, Beth, where the Lord was like, you know what, record, record this, you know, when this happened with my coworker and she was wanting to try, um, ivermectin. And we had to talk with the doctor. And then the doctor was, um, the nurse called me up and said, the doctor is going to order it. And I'm like, yes. And then she calls me up and says, the pharmacy's uh, blocking it. She's not going to fill it. And I'm like, what? And then, so when I called the pharmacist into the office is when I, I did my first recording. And then after that, I was like, people are victim of propaganda. They've been brainwashed. They've completely lost their ability to critically think. I have been speaking out now for almost a year and a half publicly and through my job um, and through emails like you and mm -hmm. nobody's seeing this and I, I can't do this anymore, you know? And that's when I started recording with my um, Android phone in my pocket and um, uploading it to Project Veritas because I had just found out about them um, just a couple months prior in, in the summer of 2021. And, and I was following their stories, like Ivory Hecker came out, um, you know, uh, Fox News. There was some like courageous people speaking up. And I thought, you know what? I have no other option but to use them because my job's not listening and I'm sure no news networks are, are going to listen. So I recorded the videos and uploaded it to Project Veritas and just, you know, um, stayed really in, um, in prayer and, and really trying to talk with the Lord, be like, this is really, really, you want me to do this? <laughs> okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, as boldly as I stepped out on my faith and, and my education, speaking out loud on social media for a year and a half, sharing science and articles, this was, you know, this was kind of just the tip of it where I'm like, okay, you know what, you guys, if you're not going to listen um, to me, I'm going to show you what's happening. And, um, and, you know, that video went viral. Uh, it went viral over 5 million views in just a couple of days. And um, Project Veritas was censored on Twitter then. So I, I could only imagine how much more viral it would have went if we didn't have, you know, communists uh, running our social media platforms. Um, but what it spoke was um, it spoke, you know, a lot, you know, to how people knew something was up, but to have to see it as well. You know, it was like thank you for sharing that. You know, thank you. I knew something was up, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. So my whole thing was, I just wanted people to get informed consent, you know, to understand that there were um, safety signals that were happening that really needed to be looked into um, because this was, this was not right. Yeah. And that clearly did not 
not happen, nor is it happening with anyone who is still getting, um, whether it's their initial series or the boosters, um, you know, there still really is no informed consent um, surrounding these. And, you know, I've watched your videos multiple times. I think that it's, definitely sparked something. And you and I have talked before about how nurses inher inherently are a very trusted profession, right? We, we get into this business to care for people and to uh, take care of people and to advocate on patients behalf. And I think that a lot of people being able to see that there was concern coming from a nurse who genuinely just had questions and, you know, needed answers and why wasn't anyone paying attention and what were we going to do? And this was really only the start, you know, incredibly powerful. And I think we're really fortunate to have an organization like Project Veritas um, be there to support people like yourself and, and, you know, other whistleblowers that have come forward through this kind of whole process. So, um, you know, I guess, thank you, Jody, for having that courage to do that. And when we come back, we're going to take a, a short little break, but when we come back, we are going to move on and talk about where things are for you now. We're going to talk about your book that's coming out. We're also going to share that we've got some really cool in-person events um, on the horizon. So just join us. We'll, we're going to take a short little break. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud. It's time in this is world. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. 
Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. So looking ahead now, Jody, your life has changed in probably you know, more ways really than anyone could imagine as far as your, you know, your personal life, your career life, what this now looks like for you to be a part of the Nurses Out Loud community. I know you've done other speaking engagements, things of that nature. But I do want to talk about your book. I'm super excited to get my hands on it. Uh, even though I know you both personally, um, you know, friends were you know, co-hosts on this amazing show, or we, we were a part of this network. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to reading that story and diving in and kind of putting my feet in your shoes, I guess, um, as somebody even who who knows it, but I want more. So talk with me a little bit about how that process came about, what it looked like for you. Um, it just, yeah, give us, give us all the things about Rare Courage that's coming out this week. Yeah. So how, what it looked like. So I blew the whistle in September, September 20th, 2021. And after that, ha- after, you know, I released my um, protected di- disclosure, um, I, I was doing a lot of interviews, my work put me on leave. Um, they, they first put me on uh, administrative leave and then they put me on investigative leave for like six months. They were investigating me some more and they, they just didn't have a reason to fire me. And so, um, you know, I, I had complaints against my license and I had to go in front of the, the Arizona state board of nursing and do an investigation with them. And then they ordered me to undergo an ethics evaluation. And so I did, and I um, passed with flying colors. You know, they, they found no wrongdoing. They found that why I did what I did was to uphold my ethical principles. And as nurses and physicians, if, if you notice a safety issue, it is your obligation to report that. And so they, they saw that I, I was trying to report, I was, you know, speaking out. And, um, so I, I did something drastic, but what that did, um, you know, like my, my, I have a first amendment speech, right. We all do. And especially as nurses, you know, at that time, our American nurse association came out with a statement and I, October, right after my story aired, that if um, nurses were talking about, um, you know, alternative therapies or treatments that uh, specifically ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, that they were going to um, move to get their license removed. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, really? Yeah, that that's what you're going to do because you're not scaring me. I just knew it was all threats. And, and the reason why I knew that was because I was on the side of truth. So I wasn't ever afraid, um, you know, what could come of that. But then I realized, you know, I went through, you know, people were asking me, are you going to run for Congress? Are you going to do that? You know, write a book. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I, you know, the Lord 
you know, I asked the Lord to use me. He did. And now I'm done. (laughs) Or so I was hoping, right? Right. Um, I tried to figure out something, but I went to an event in January and I met hundreds of people and it was just a constant um, hearing you're courageous, you're a hero um, over and over again for hours. And I'm like, what? No, I'm not. I guess, I guess courage is rare. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's when I decided like, okay, now I see where it's important to write a book because, you know, the, I heard a quote, if you want someone to know the truth, tell them if you want someone to believe the truth or love the truth, um, tell them a story. And I was like, okay, well, let me tell you my story. And I am going to guide my story by my Facebook post. And so that's how the story is laid out right away. My, my thinking, um, me, you know, choosing my faith, um, all of it. And so um, that's when I just realized that courage was rare and it needed to be um, in a book format so that, um, you know, they didn't wipe me off of the internet and it would be in black and white. So, um, that's, that's how the journey began with that. And so I started writing that in January of last year and, you know, Beth, every, every day since, you know, my story aired, we see more and more truth coming out, right. It just may not be on mainstream media, but we, we see that, what we were following, our evidence-based practice and ethical principles, like we were right in all of that, you know, none of the, none of this should have ever happened, none of it. And, and so when people say, well, why did it happen? You know, I, I look back at it now and, you know, even after my story was released, I was, I was still like, you know what, if you want to take the shot, take it. Like that's, you know, I just wanted to give you informed consent. And, and now, you know, well, probably for about a year now, I'm like, don't take it. (laughs) There's no reason to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how that went down was, you know, I, I, I never thought I would be here, you know, I, it's still, you know, a year and a half later, it's still uncomfortable for me. I, I thought I was way more extroverted than, um, then I realized that I am, uh, I'm very, very much an introvert as well. And, um, but you know, people need to be inspired. And at the end of the day, what does this come out? What does it all come down to? For me, it's like our soul, you know, mm-hmm. where, where are we going when we leave this earth? Mm-hmm. We're here for such a short time. So what are you going to do with it? You know, the the Lord created each and every one of us to be here right now in 2023, not in 1865, but 2023. And so many people know that something's up, but they don't have the strength to, um, to talk. I mean, you know, honestly, or to share their truth, I should say. You know, I did a, a show with my attorney last week and, and he was talking about it because people are weak. We've never had to go through anything like our parents and stuff like, you know, maybe, you know, Vietnam. But for our generation, we haven't we, we've been coasting essentially. Right. Yeah. So so people don't know what they're made of. You know, I, I on the other hand, do. 
because I've always chose the hard road. <laughs> so, right. So I know what it's like to be uncomfortable. I know what it's like to be on welfare and struggling and be a, a single mom, a teenage mom at 16 and an abusive relationship and changing careers three or four times. Like I didn't graduate from nursing school until 2014. Right. So this was definitely, I thought I was at, at the pinnacle of my career working for a federal hospital, making six figures base getting 20 grand a year to my student loans because I had my master's degree on top of it. And um, I I thought, you know, and taking care of the Native Americans, uh, underserved population. I just loved it. I loved it. I had the best job in the world and I picked my own schedule. I did whatever I really wanted to do there. And they allowed me that uh, autonomy, you know, when they put me in leadership positions and yeah, I, I never thought I would ever leave the bedside. You know, I like the adrenaline rush of it all, but, um, you know, I, I can't go back to that. Although I can with my license, I can't go back to this sick care system that we had grown so used to being a part of and not helping people, truly helping people. And, you know, COVID, we there's a lot of downsides to COVID, but I like to look at the bright side of things. And Mm -hmm. the bright side of of this for me was my relationship grew with the Lord. Um, cause I, I, I don't have a church that I go to. I I listen to podcasts and, and I talk to him all the time. And, um, and I think too, we we've realized the evil that is so pervasive throughout our society you know, like I decided to homeschool my son who's 13. It's just him and I at home. Um, I, I guess I risked a lot to do what I did, but I did it all because it's the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And I think ultimately the reward is, I mean, I see some, some, some big rewards for you already, right. Just, um, you know, maybe not having thought about homeschooling your son before until all of this came about, which I know you and I talk about that. And, you know, he's, he's such a brilliant kiddo that, you know, you guys are probably creating something really special, not only amongst your relationship, but also with his education. Um, I think your circle probably has been, I don't know, maybe a little bit tighter. I know mine has too, but it's Mm -hmm. almost like this sense of, the people that are around you are exactly who you need to have around you, um, which I think is a really great sort of silver lining in all of this is that it's those kind of fellow, fellow warriors that, um, that support you and, and you get to support them in turn. But you touched on something that I, I want to talk about because I think it is really important that, you know, our generation you're right. We really haven't gone through anything of significance as far as overwhelming challenges, perhaps. But I also think it's really interesting amongst that, just how comfortable we are with groupthink and going with the flow. And that seemed to be so present in the hospitals. I mean, it was just like, put your head down, toe the line, don't make any waves. 
Um, don't question anything, even mm. if at the water cooler or in the break room, you know, people were having side conversations, um, you know, maybe about what's going on, but not a lot of people felt like they could stand up. And I think that anytime that there's just this kind of system mentality, I think we're seeing it now in the school system and, you know, our judicial system and obviously our healthcare systems, but this real inability to be strong, this this inability to step outside of the group think mentality and kind of forge your own path um, due to fear, really like fear kind of works in both ways. Right. And we've talked about this before where you can be fearful of COVID or you can be fearful of what potentially might happen if you speak out and if you kind of uh, forge your own path and, and go against the grain with all of that. But did you also see that amongst your healthcare system of just kind of everybody just, towing the line? Cause I certainly did. Oh yeah. I mean, they still are, you know, the, they, they reach out to both of us, all of us. We, we hear all the time, you know, nurses complaining mm-hmm. and, and physicians complaining and it's like, okay guys, well, let's do something about it. Like, you know, how are you, do you still want to help people? What, you know, how, have you figured out, have you thought about it? Have you done anything other than just complain? And, and, you know, Beth, I mean, I, this is a year and a half later after I blew the whistle. And I, I mean, we're going three years on COVID, Uh, but my righteous anger at this point is like, okay, what are you going to do though? You know, are you still fearful that you're going to lose family and friends? I I mean, for me, I, I wouldn't say I lost anybody. I didn't lose anybody because anybody that's not by my side right now, supporting me and what's right. I didn't lose them. That's a win. Right. That right. I don't, I don't mourn those relationships. I, I look at them as I, I remember them in the good times and what they brought into my life. But if the Lord is like, you know what, they're not in a part of your life anymore. It's like, okay. I, I mean, really when I say, I just always am just, please, Lord, just show me which way you want me to go. Tell me which way you want me to go. I want to live in your will, not my own. And um, I'm even more hyper-focused on that these past three years um, because I I know what's at stake, right? I know what's at stake. So um, yeah, that, yeah, I mean, I don't even think, you know, I... I look at it now and I've never been a, I told you so kind of person. Mm-hmm. So anybody that wants to come back into my life or reach out and say, you know, um, I, I see what you were talking about now. And I, I would be like, okay, well, let's, let's move forward. Let's move right. forward. What right. are we going to do to help people? Because this is only going to get worse. Right. We have not seen we haven't seen a, a tenth of it yet, I don't think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think this is, I mean, there's still, 
it's this octopus, right? There are so many arms and and kind of these tentacles reaching out and really infecting. I mean, if we want to talk about an infectious disease, it's the evil and um, it's the corruption and it's everything that is still, you know, sliming its way through our society and it it touches almost every aspect of our day-to-day living. And it's not going to let up. I totally agree with you. I think we are, the people that are talking out, uh, you know, the people that are talking out know that this is really like, like we're on the road, but the road is long and we are, we've got our full armor on and we are ready for the journey, whether that be a solo journey or whether that be with people around us. But you're right. This is just, this is really just starting. And I think it's also interesting to think about those people that maybe three years later, are able to reflect back and go, oh gosh, you know, maybe that was not everything that they said it was, or maybe there was a lot of propaganda. For those people, my heart really goes out because as that veil kind of gets lifted off, there's just more and more and more that's going to be coming out and, and to be discovered and uncovered. Yeah, I mean, and think about that process too of realizing you know, because uh, th- this wasn't like they participated in it. And so they mm-hmm. they do have to realize um, that they were giving given signs, mm-hmm. you know, they just mm-hmm. chose not to see them or to right. act on it because right. of the fear. And so, I mean, I'm very empathetic to people that look back and say, oh, man, it's kind of like a bad relationship, right? When you get a red flag. And you got so many of them in the beginning and then you just, you know, uh, you made a scarf out of them <laughs> you made a scarf out of them, and then, and then you're with the dude now. And then you're yeah. like, Oh man, I knew that in the beginning, I should not have continued to date you. So I do have a lot of empathy for those people, but at the end of the day now, it's like, okay, what are we going to do to move forward with this? How are we going to work together? How are we going to save as many souls um, as possible. You know, I had somebody tell me, um, and I've, and I've heard this a few times about me having a ministry Mm. and I was like, what? I don't know the Bible that well, you know, um, I can't recite scripture and tell you this. And they're like, no, no, maybe it's not that kind of ministry. Maybe Mm. it's just a ministry of truth. And I'm like, Okay, I I could I could go with that because literally at the end of the day, we're in a war of good and evil. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as we say on our show, like we need to shine our light into this darkness. And when you do that and when the Lord brings you together with the people that need to be that you should be surrounding yourself with, um, I call it the remnant. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the remnant is rising. And I've seen it for the past three years, just get bigger and bigger. And the people that um, are called and they, and they heed that call, like our job is to save as many people as possible. And that doesn't mean pushing, um, you know, religion down people's throats. Um, That means walking and talking in the spirit and, Mm -hmm. and just being joyful and, um, shining our lights and showing love and, and encouragement to others. 
you know, not, not put people down. And then, you know, that's why I'm so thankful that we have this show and it's doing as well as it is. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think that um, this is such a great outlet for uh, us to be able to kind of share our perspectives, but also really just connect with people um, that are maybe starting their journey of learning, or maybe they've been along at the whole, you know, been, been on it the whole way, but it's such a wonderful way to connect. And I also think to make people feel like they're not alone. Cause I do still think that there's a lot of that out there of just that kind of like, Oh, I feel a little isolated in my thoughts or my viewpoints, or I can't talk to my family about it. So I think that that's one of the greatest benefits of this show is that connection piece and, um, yeah, just offering that support to people. Nope. There's, there's a lot of us out there. There's at least five nurses that we know of. Right. Um, so that's right. It's a lovely, it's a lovely kind of unifying, um, opportunity that people, that people get. And I think that we get, I, I like that too, even though I don't know who listens to me, I, or you for that matter, but I, I love the idea that I get that connection with them, even if I don't know who they are. That's a really, mm -hmm you know, it's, it's kind of a heart, heart touching thing to think about. It really is. It's like energy, you know, we're putting Absolutely. that energy out into yeah. the world and yeah. And it's, it's, it's an amazing blessing. It really absolutely. is. Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully it's encouraging. Hopefully it's educational. I mean, hopefully it's, it's leaving, maybe planting some seeds or, you know, uh, yeah, the energy is, is forward moving and it's positive and it's, uh, it's purpose driven really. Mm -hmm. Speaking of those connections and connections with people, um, let's talk quickly about what exciting things we have going on this week, because we do. Um, we've got some of our uh, fellow nurses from the Nurses Out Loud crew coming here to Arizona. Uh, Jody and I are both here in Arizona, and we've got some others joining us for some festivities. So Jody, tell us about what we've got cooking this week. Yes. Yeah, so I am so excited. Um, I am, you know, you guys have been amazing. Uh, I'm just so fortunate to, to know you all and, and to see the love and support that I have with this book launch this week. Um, so what we're doing and what we all decided together as a team is to get together the day before the book launch. So on Thursday, February 16th, we will get together um, and hold like a nurses event. We're going to have nurses, nurse entrepreneurs come speak um, to tell you, you know, like ways that you could leave the system and still help people and move this paradigm shift forward. We have Senator Champ, who is a nurse that got fired and ran for office. Um, and she's going to come. We have Tammy uh, Clark and Kristen Megan, who are my dear sisters now. I, I found them on Facebook in 2020 and in June of 2020 when I was uh, speaking out against the mask. They, they were the mask experts and they have traveled this country for two years 
speaking in front of legislation and boards in order to get the mass mandates uh, removed and actually wrote uh, a paper that went to the Supreme Court when OSHA was trying to weaponize or when Biden was trying to weaponize OSHA and make COVID-19 um, uh, instead of um, temporary standards, permanent standards, mm. which were highly, highly illegal. And so they're coming into town and I have like five nurses coming to stay with me in my thousand square foot, two bedroom apartment. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> my son, my son is going to stay with my mom for, for a few days. Uh, we all live in the same neighborhood, so it's only down the block, but um, you know, it's funny because my oldest asked me, he's like, why is everybody staying with you? Like, you don't have the space. And and I said, because nobody can afford to get a hotel. We've been volunteering for three years. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Isn't that wild to think about? Like, it just is oh, so man. wild how much so many of us have like given up. But that's where, you know, we can sit and look at it and be like, but the Lord fills our cup up all mm -hmm. the time. And instead of, you know, thinking like, oh, my house is going to be cramped for two weeks. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, we get to have an adult sleepover. <laughs> right. Yeah. With like these people that are your people. Yes. Like, just oh your people. I mean, the conversations, the laughs, the, there might even be some tears amongst it too, you know, oh, yeah. but just that like ultra connectedness. Um, amongst people who really understand, they right. understand what you have been through. You understand what they have been through, um, which is for, for, for 2023, I think that's a rare find. I think it's a rare find. It is. I mean, um, you're going to have like four whistleblowers in the same house and right. we're all going to be joyful. And I, I got a whole box of wine and beer mm -hmm. and charcuterie boards. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So that event's taking place on Thursday. Yes. Here. That's Thursday. And then Friday um, is the book launch. And that's uh, between four and 8 PM at Clancy's Jack room in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, if you go to my website, Jody O'Malley RN, or maybe you could put it, put it in the show notes too, Beth. Absolutely. Um, I'll put all of that in the show notes. Yeah. yeah just, you know, register. We'd like to know how many people will be there. Uh, but I opened that up to the public. And so that's on Friday between 4 and 8 p.m. And then on Saturday, we're going to head up north to Prescott and go to T-Slangers. It's a, a clothing store right there in the and the town and um, have a book signing from one to 3 p.m. And then we're just going to be hanging out on Whiskey Row and unwinding and um, enjoying each other and probably putting our phones away for the night. <laughs> yes, that's it. No emails. No, no, nothing. That's fantastic. So as we kind of wrap up um, from this amazing conversation, thank you again, Jody. Um, tell me just quickly a couple give us a couple teasers from the book maybe your favorite parts or maybe some messaging that you really hope kind of hits home to to anybody that reads it 
So there's a, a call to action, I will say, uh, with the book. I am encouraging people that have lost their loved ones, um, you know, that, you know, refuse to talk to them anymore. Uh, you know, family separated, friends separated, uh, that nurse that cared for your loved one on the floor uh, of the hospital that died uh, due to the horrible, deadly hospital protocols. There are, I believe, tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of people that lost their life to the deadly hospital protocols. Mm -hmm. And um, so I am encouraging people to get a copy of the book and send it to them, send it to the nurses station. I had someone tell me that this book should be in every single break room um, in every hospital. And Mm -hmm. I, and I, yes, I agree with that because this is all meant to just you know, trigger that little something, you know, to wake you up a little bit and, and know mm-hmm. that courage is rare, but it doesn't have to be. And we need to find ways to move forward. There's an organization I'm working with, a thousandwidows.org. And I encourage people to go to that website as well and um, find the support there. But um, one of the favorite parts is that Dr. Peter McCullough wrote the foreword. Oh, I love that so much. Yes. And Dr. Merrick. I'm giving goosebumps, Jody. I know. It's so cool that he did that. And then Dr. Merrick also wrote um, a quote in my book from FLCCC and and Dr. Aaron Cariardi. So people, you know, people, real people recognize real. And um, and I'm, I'm just excited for for the book to get out there and go forth into the world and see what the Lord does with it. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm beyond excited. I can't wait to have, you know, an autographed copy of that book, (laughs) which I am going to want. And I probably will um, take your call to action because I think that my, former employer could probably use uh, a little wake up. So I am absolutely going to take your call um, to action. So JD, Jody, thank you so much again for joining me. This has been a fantastic um, little chat. I am so glad that you got to share your story for those who hadn't heard it before. I'm excited for this week's events with the other um, nurses from our team here. I will put all of those details in the show notes for anybody that wants uh, to know kind of where we're going to be and and what we're up to come out and, and do a little meet and greet with us. But That is all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part and share these stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily. No topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time and this is-